Um, I noticed that we're missing lots of you today. So if you're tuning in on the podcast later, I'm so glad um, that you're able to listen to it on the podcast because you won't want to miss this. Um, Courtney Alberts is returning, um, who is one of our basically our in-house therapist. Well, I consider her my in-house therapist because she is my sister-in-law. And I am always calling her about things that are popping up. Um, You know how they say that you start looking more like your husband as you get get married longer? I feel like, I hope that I start looking more like Courtney as I get married longer and longer. Um, And we dress like twins today. Um, so so uh, Courtney it lives up in Evergreen with her family, and she has two uh, wonderful children and two great dogs and husband who's wonderful. And um, we, her husband and her and I all went to high school together in the same class and um, at CSCS, and it's just been so wonderful to go from being friends to family and friends. Um, so Courtney's a child therapist and uh, works in a pediatrician's office um, as their mental health advisor. And so she, we always have her come in and talk about things that are going on in our culture that are really affecting families. And this is a really big topic. I've been wanting to have someone come in for two years to talk about this. And it's really neat because Courtney just came to me independently and was like, I really want to speak about this at mom's group next time I speak. And so I've just been seeing it everywhere. It's a really big deal and it's a hard topic to handle well, but I know Courtney's still gonna do a great job. So thank you so much for coming, Courtney. So I first just wanna say that um, I originally was gonna speak on something different and like what Sarah was saying, I just kept seeing this everywhere. Like all the moms I was talking to were bringing it up everywhere in like pop culture and on the news and things like this, this topic kept coming up. And to be honest with you, it was really intimidating for me because it has a huge like feminist undertone, right? And as a church, that's just like red flags all over it, right? Um, But I didn't want to like be the one to say, you know, um, to, to be the presenter of the Christian version of this because it felt like a lot of pressure and I just kept seeing a lot of like pitfalls that were potential pitfalls. And so I first want to say that I originally was just going to not talk about it, but it just kept coming back. And I want you all to leave here, not hating your husbands, (laughs) not, um, I don't want any increased resentment or stress in your relationships. I want you all to leave here with some tools and like some names for what you're probably experiencing. And also I want this to deepen your faith. Um, even in researching this, I went through so many periods of like more resentment (laughs) and frustration as I saw things through this lens. And so I just want to say that um, I've been in a lot of prayer about presenting this in a way that like really honors the Bible, honors the church, and um, honors our relationships. And so um, I just wanted to kind of say that as as we move forward, okay? Um, So the invisible work of women. Um, Let's talk about what that is. There's so many definitions of this, but I like, I, I think I like this one the most. Um, referred to as worry work or cognitive labor, the mental load is about not the physical task, but rather the overseeing of those tasks. 
It's being the one in charge of having the never-ending list of to-do items constantly running in your head, remembering what needs to get done and when, delegating all the tasks to respective family members, and making sure they actually get done. Why do we need to talk about this? Um, so I think now, more than ever, men are sharing in childcare and labor around the house. Um, and so a lot of times men will say, um, yeah, we feel like things are totally equal in our relationship, right? And what's happening is that this mental load is not seen, right, as this major stress source for women. And a lot of times women don't even notice it themselves as a major source of uh, stress and uh, like exhaustion for them. So my hope today is that you all can name this for yourself and identify what you, is in your mental load. Um, again, like I said, it's not just unseen by men, but also by ourselves. Um, when I, I work a lot with um, moms, and when I name this for women and help them kind of identify it in their lives, almost always they start crying. <laughs> And that's my hope for you, is just that relief of this making the unseen seen. Um, this impacts, we as, our families are a system, right? So if we are amazingly stressed and overburdened, every part of our family is feeling it. I know we feel like we hide it well, or <laughs> some days, some days we feel like we hide it well, but it impacts our husbands, even if we feel like we're hiding it from them, it impacts our children, it impacts our ministry, it impacts our health. Like, it's, it's so important. Um, also, the world is talking about it. It's, it's, it's everywhere, and I really feel like the church needs to address it more. Um, just because, again, I think a lot of people are nervous to talk about it as Christians. Um, I, I did a lot of research in trying to find Christian perspectives on this, and I found one. Um, from Focus on the Family, and it basically, the only piece of advice, I mean, love Focus on the Family, my mom used to work there, but the one piece of advice was, men, notice what your wives are doing more. Like, that was all. And not to say that that was a horrible article or whatever, but I'm like, what are we supposed to do with all these documentaries coming out and all these best-selling books, and then not have any, like, Christian responses to this? So, um, okay, um, so this, a, a really famous book about this topic is called Fair Play by Eve Rodsky. Um, I'll talk about that a little bit more later, but I think this mental load idea is based upon the idea that there is a perception that men's time is finite and a woman's time is infinite. Um, I think this is something we don't say out loud a lot of times, and I would substitute the word time for also energy. Um, but I think this is something that we as women always feel like we can do more, work harder, um, take on more. Like we, we, we feel like we are super women a lot of times. And um, like I was saying before, this isn't sustainable. And um, the whole family feels it. Okay, this is like one of those cliche, cliche things that like a man would say, hopefully nobody's um, husband says this, but what did you do all day? Um, postpartum moms that I work with all the time will like, will start, I do a lot of video sessions and 
um, they'll start the session just sobbing with, um, I don't know what I've been doing. I don't know what I did all day. Um, and I think this is like a huge answer to that, to understand this invisible labor that we as women, we as moms. Also, I just want to say, I'm saying moms a lot of times just because most of you are moms, but women who don't have children in the home also do a lot of invisible labor. So I want you to know, I'll, I'll probably say moms most of the time, but, um, so um, a lot of time when a man comes home from a day uh, of like, you know, whatever their job is, they don't understand that the responsibilities of a woman at home or, you know, whether the woman's working or not, go beyond the physical. Um, so um, let's say the house is a mess, dinner isn't prepared, um, you know, everything is in the same state. They're like, what did you do, right? They know diapers need to be changed and all that other stuff. But this is a huge answer to that. Um, also, so many women don't feel accomplished. Um, so many women returning to work are like, I love it. Like at the end of the day, I like crossed off things I did. You know, um, I feel like I got a pat on the back. Um, this is, a, again, a huge reason why we need to, to notice this in our lives. Okay, so there are three main parts to this invisible work. Cognitive labor. This is planning and executing family activities, making and keeping the family schedule, uh, planning, shopping, and cooking for the family. Those are like three examples, but as you all can imagine, this cognitive labor is no joke. It's constant. Um, then there's the emotional labor. This is managing everyone's emotions within the family and the community. Um, and then the mental load. This is where the two intersect. Planning and executing activities while managing everyone's emotions. So I'm going to kind of refer to this whole idea as invisible work, mental load. Um, a lot of times in pop culture, it's referred to as cognitive labor. But I'll kind of use the word mental load moving forward. Okay, now, when we think about all those things I just listed, um, you probably have some ideas of things that might come up. Let's take, um, like, uh, providing food for the family or potty training a child or sleep training. There's four main ways that we would break down the cognitive and emotional labor that goes into this kind of invisible load. The first one is anticipating needs. That means we have to notice, right? We're constantly noticing everybody around us and in our family. It's like, oh, does my child's color look off? Oh, does my husband seem kind of irritated? Oh, like, you know, my mother-in-law, her text seemed kind of confusing earlier, you know? We're constantly noticing these things and, um, and that's, that's a huge form of, of labor. <laughs> um, doesn't mean we don't always enjoy it, but it's a huge piece. The next piece that um, ties into this is identifying options, right? Oh, my child's color looks off. What am I supposed to do about that? And then comes the, um, and then comes the research, right? Deciding among options. So we're researching. As you all know, we have a lot of researching tools these days right at our fingertips, right? Limitless. Like, it's a complete rabbit hole. Like, you go to look at potty training, and by the end of the day, you could have, like, a PhD in it, right? Like, it's overwhelming. And not just a PhD in one way to potty train. It's, like, 10, right? But that stays in our brain. We're constantly bouncing around between it. And then we have to decide which one we're going to do, right? 
Um, and then after that, we have to monitor the results. Is this working for my family? Is it not? Um, what happens a lot of times is men tend to get involved more in the action part, which would be like applying the uh, whatever we dis- action we decided on and also monitoring the results, right? So let's say that we're with the potty training thing. Let's say we anticipated our child needed to be potty trained. We identified options of how to potty train through like hours and maybe weeks, maybe months, maybe years of research um, We in consulting with other people. We decide among options. We, we talk to our husband about maybe what the game plan might be, what they think, and then the husband might help with that, right? And feel like they're being an equal partner in that process, which is awesome. I think it's amazing when men are involved in that process, but what they don't understand is maybe what the work that went into that. Maybe we don't understand how substantial that is. Okay, so let's talk about some contributors um, to the mental load. I I love the image of a 50s housewife. (laughs) Um, And I like was cracking myself up just like looking at all of these. But um, that's one of the main contributors is one of these stereotypes. So, okay, so socialization. Women have been disproportionately socialized to notice the physical and mental needs of others. Um, most women have watched their mothers, grandmothers, aunts, all the women in their family and community carry out the domestic responsibilities. I say most women. Um, and I, I also want to say through this whole thing, I'm talking about a lot of stereotypes here and I'm aware of that. Like you might've just grown up with men or, you know, um, maybe your dad did the brunt of this work. Um, I'm, I'm referring to a lot of stereotypes and I'm very aware of, um, that there's a lot outside of that. Um, Girls are often given caretaking and nurturing chores. We have a lot of practice, right? Um, We aren't just naturally better at changing diapers, cooking, calming children. We have so much practice. I, um, as I was putting this together, I was like very convicted because I have a son and a daughter and my daughter literally comes home from school, puts her backpack down, goes and cleans up the kitchen and preps dinner. (laughs) She's 12, and she's an exceptional child in that way, but, like, have I trained her to notice those things, or is this more her personality? My son needs his downtime, right? (laughs) He will go to the bathroom and pee sometimes uh, in weird places, and doesn't seem to even notice them. And then my sweet daughter, because she doesn't want to sit on pee, will clean it up, right? And given that they have very different uh, personalities, I was really, um, I was really like, saw this with a different lens. Like, oh my gosh, am I kind of perpetuating this for my children? Um, And also it made me question how was I socialized in this way so anyway I just want to kind of plant that seed so socialization is a big one Christianity oh my gosh I think the proverbs uh, the first thing I think of when I think of how our Christian culture kind of perpetuates this is the Proverbs 31 woman right she just did it all she was amazing like if she can do it we can do it um if like it and I think a lot of times that can do more harm to us as women in perpetuating this, right? And I think it's worth, like, 
have you ever been to like a women's retreat where they talk about like the downsides of of this of this passage of scripture, right? Like I haven't heard that talked about in a like in a Christian culture. Um, also being selfless. I'm doing like a Bible study right now on humility. And it's just like the verse do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than ourselves. It's like die to self, right? Um, be selfless. And that's an amazing thing, right? But just like everything in our world, we need to have boundaries around it, right? God never called us to be broken people, right? Um, and unable to serve our families in the biggest capacity. We need to do this not just for ourselves, but also for the church and the community. Um, so it's kind of hard thinking about like, Christ broke himself, like right, for us. He died on the cross. He was the ultimate act of selflessness. Shouldn't we just take on more and more and more and more and more? And that's like in the back of our heads all the time, I think, is like a, a reason why maybe we don't set more boundaries or draw more lines. Um, also, I think we have the ultimate strength source, right? We have prayer. We have the Bible. Um, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I don't know about you all, but like, I don't know how moms and women do it without God, right? Like there's days I feel so empty and so unable to carry the load that I have. And I rely all day long on, on God for that. And I think that that's a wonderful thing, but I think it also kind of helps, um, doesn't make us kind of look at this and recognize this sometimes. So none of these things are bad things. Proverbs 31 is amazing. All of these selflessness is something that the Bible talks about all the time. But I just want to kind of look at this in a way of um, maybe how can we, how can we understand how this might influence us negatively sometimes? Um, This is a huge one and I'm, like the worst at this. <laughs> um, so this is maternal gatekeeping. Um, this is when the mom believes that she's the only one who can take care of her children properly. Anybody else struggle with this? <laughs> okay. Um, so um, this is like when we make our husbands feel inferior to the physical and mental tasks associated with children or the home. You know, if you've ever said, or thought, <laughs> I'll just do it, right? This is where, and and the reason a lot of times that we do this, when, again, like I talked about, we have so much practice, right? So when our husbands try to help us do something, a lot of times they don't have the practice that we have, right? So they're, or they're not going to do it great. Or like for like my son who I'm really trying to train to practice things like, you know, I don't know, like vacuuming or something like that that I traditionally wouldn't do. He's horrible at it. It makes me grit my teeth, right? Um, and I just want to tell him, fine, I'll just do it. But, um, and it's the same thing a lot of times like, asking, um, asking, like, for some reason, I think of, like, um, getting ready for a party or something like that. Um, so we as women, and we'll get into this in the next couple slides, like, our worth is so caught up in our families and our homes and looking and seeming perfect that when men help a lot of times, it's in a really basic way, and we feel like it doesn't help us reflect or promote that kind of um, image that we want to promote. Um, 
So I have a great story story about this. I'm working with uh, one of my clients right now on working on her maternal gatekeeping, and we talked about a task that her husband could to, could take on to kind of lighten her load at the end of the night. So she um, she decided bath time would be really awesome for her husband to take on. So we we talk about a plan of how hard this is going to be because she doesn't trust her husband to get the water temperature right or choose the right products or dry him off properly or apply the lotion or whatever else. So we talk through her anxiety about all that. We develop a plan, and she's going to implement it, and we're going to talk the next week. So we get on the phone the next week, and I'm like, how did bath time go? What was it like? And she was like, oh, it was horrible. Just like I knew it was going to be, it was so horrible. And I was like, oh, tell me, tell me what happened. So evidently, the husband gave her son a bath, and she, um, she, and he carried the son upstairs to dry him off and get him ready for bed and stuff. And she went to, like, with a smile on her face to um, drain the bathtub. And what she found inside was a piece of poop. And she's freaking out, like, oh, my gosh, my child is just bathed in poop. My husband didn't realize it, you know, whatever. So she proceeds to go upstairs, take the child out of his pajamas, rebathe him, re-lotion him, redress him. Her and the husband get in this huge fight about how he can never do anything right, how he, like, she gave him one task and he couldn't do it. And how could you not notice there was a piece of poop on his butt or that he, you know, did all this stuff? And now, not only does she not trust him with bath time, but she doesn't trust him with a lot of things because this planted a seed, right, that maybe he would miss this. And so this is like a really common story that I hear from a lot of women or um, about why they can't, it's like self-fulfilling, right? They feel like they can't trust their husbands and then something goes wrong and then they trust them less and less and then quit asking or um, quit trusting them with responsibilities around the house. Oh, too much information like we talked about before. This mental load is like, I can imagine it's always been there, but right now it's just everywhere. Um, We all know about the dangers of social media that kind of perpetuates this idea of just, um, um, just everything, right? There's, there's, how we should be as women, how we should be as people, the type of mothers we should be, the type of children we should have, all the information about the problems that they might have, our relationship, all the things. There's news about things going wrong, about um, there's social media that makes us feel like we should do it differently. There's podcasts with like limitless information. And it feels like we're doing a service to our family when we consume this information. But a lot of time it's making our burdens even more heavy. And it's really important that we recognize that as a source because when is enough enough? Like when are we ever done learning about our child's development period or our marriage or whatever the issue might, we might be dealing with? So it's, it's hard to know when that is. Perfectionism. We as women are told we need to be perfect, we need to look perfect, act perfect, live in a perfect home. This isn't often, um, it, and I, like, this isn't something I feel like men deal with as much, right? Their pressures are, are different. And I, I want to say that I know men have mental loads too, right? And I know that they have messages in the world that, that are damaging to them too. But this act, this pressure of perfectionism is one that I feel like women deal with a lot more. Um, how we look, how our families wit, wit, 
look, how our homes look, we connect this to our worth, right? When things aren't perfect, we feel less worthy. So when, um, you know, again, like the party idea, like when we're getting ready to entertain or have people over, how many people's husbands are a lot more relaxed about how things look and are presented, right? It's like maddening. Like my husband's always like, oh, they don't care. And I'm like, well, I'm pretty sure like a sink full of like gross dishes. Uh, Yeah. But I have to challenge in myself all the time. Like, why? Why do I care about that? What do do I want them to think that I stay on top of things? Right. Do I want to project that image? Like there's a lot of things that are connected to that. Um, This is perpetuated by uh, social media. Um, and, you know, the media, right? How often, I mean, I think um, there's much more of an effort to kind of, in kind of a, um, a way to, like, normalize it. There's more of an effort of showing a mom with, like, you know, a messy bun and, you know, a sink full of dishes and, like, the media and advertising and stuff now. But it's, 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 it's always in a way I always laugh. It's like, she's messy, but her hands are like so well manicured and, you know, it's like messy, but not messy. And, um, yeah, I think I look a lot different, (laughs) different when I look messy, uh, than what they're portraying. So, um, yeah. And then what, what I think is such an important thing to think about with this is this perfectionism piece I know for me, this is something that really resonated for me, is when I feel imperfect, when I feel disorganized, like I need to be more on top of things, I read more and take in more information about how to do it better, which is perpetuating my load. It's like, I want to be more organized. So I'm going to read four books and four blogs on how to become more organized. And then I'm going to start this new system in my home. And then I'm going to... And then it's like, oh my gosh, I just became more unorganized because I'm so scatterbrained because I'm thinking about being organized, you know? So it, it definitely perpetuates itself. This is, this is a huge one um, that, again, I think from like working with moms and women a lot that just pushes people's buttons so bad. And I think this is the reason why. If you need help, just ask. Or, hey, uh, or yeah, if you need help, just ask. So this is something that um, my husband says occasionally. Uh, I think a lot of men do because they kind of see children in house a lot of times as women's domains. And so they want to know, hey, how can I help, right? But when the men ask this, a lot of times it adds to our load um, by making us ask and manage them. And when we're they're asking this, Um, it implies that it's like our responsibility that we're in some way in charge of this and dictating that responsibility. And this is something I never really put together um, until the last year. And I remember there was like a couple times where I had been up for like hours and hours before my husband and he rolls out of bed and I'm like carrying in groceries and, and, you know, in like calming a sibling fight or something. And I got like just super resentful and my husband is amazing and really, really helpful, but I just got so resentful and he could tell. And he's like, what is going on? And I'm like, oh my gosh, like you're just sitting there and I'm doing all this stuff. And he was like, well, if you needed help, you could have just asked, you know, I always help you. And I just started sobbing and I had no idea why I was so sensitive because I know that my husband will always ask help when I ask him to do it. 
but it just felt like for me, like when I heard this named that it felt like, yes, that is so, so important. The other thing is, is like this idea really perpetuates or keeps men from looking around and being able to take initiative. I think one of the biggest things that would lighten our load as women is it that if men saw things as looking around the house and with kids and saw needs before we had to ask them to, right? And again, this goes back to the socialization piece. We've been socialized to notice these things throughout our whole life. So we're really good at it, right? And again, men are socialized to notice different things. Like the second something's wrong with our yard or structure of our house, like my husband is on it and at the at the hardware store and fixing it. And again, stereotypes, right? But I don't notice when something's wrong with our house. Like the sink could be running and I would just be totally on my, like not even noticing because it just doesn't bother me. So I think that this is one of those things that just, um, when, when you're recognizing this, if this is something that's happening in your house or, you know, anywhere that this is something that, you know, really makes your mental load a lot heavier. This is, um, has anybody seen these comics before the Emma comics? Okay. So this is a really, uh, this is a really famous, um, comic by, um, it's, her name is like Emma, like Madonna. Um, And it's called The Mental Load. And she has a whole, like, book of comics about this whole idea of the mental load. Um, And so this one is just so simple. But, like, oh, hey, you didn't do the dishes? Well, you never ask, right? So this is, like, an idea that a lot of times we as women experience. Okay. So what I'd like to do now is um, I'd like – there's another portion of the presentation. But what I'd like you to do is I'd like to just – Um, push the brakes for a little bit and let's just talk amongst yourselves at the tables and what I would like you all to kind of talk about is who are the women in your life who have in or who have who has modeled and influenced your responsibilities you take on as a woman what other things influence the way you handle responsibilities of family and the home what are the ways that the church and other Christians the Bible has impacted your mental load in what ways has your mental load impacted you negatively I'm very aware that we could talk about all these issues um, for hours. So just kind of just, um, you know, maybe if there's one of these questions that you feel like really uh, resonates with you, maybe just kind of go around and just kind of mention some things that come up for you guys. So we'll probably um, maybe for like the next like eight minutes or something like that, um, talk about those things. Okay, ladies, do you guys feel like anybody would like to share, maybe just raise your hand, um, some main topics that came up at your table of like women or influences on the responsibility um, you take on as a woman? Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you were saying your mom, um, your mom did it all uh, with four kids and didn't really ever feel like she could or had the support to ask for help. Yeah, that's really common. I know my, I was raised by a single mom. Um, so she had no choice but to do it all and she did it all and she made it look largely effortless a lot of times. And something that came up for me in this is when I was, gosh, I must've been like really, really young 
my dad cheated on my mom and that's why one of the main reasons they got divorced but I remember riding in my dad's car and hearing him complain about something with my mom or justifying cheating in some way as a little girl and being like oh gosh I can just be really perfect and that would never happen to me and I like randomly will think about this and that seems so simple. Like I saw people hurting in my life and thought, gosh, if I was just more perfect or did everything more or better or, you know, took on more then oh, my husband will never cheat on me. As like, that was just a logical conclusion. And again, these are these subtle messages we kind of grow up with that just, or not so subtle, <laughs> but that kind of perpetuate this. Anybody else have ideas? Or, or things that came up for them as far as social influences on their idea of this carrying this mental load? Okay. Um, what about ideas about um, the way the church, other Christians, and the Bible have impacted you all in, in this area of the mental load? I know this is a big topic. It's like one where I think... Um, like I was sharing with my table, I had a, um, this was hard for me because I didn't have time to do like a deep dive theologically into all of this and it feels like a lot. Um, but where I kind of am right now as a woman and um, as a Christian and somebody with a heavy mental load is like, God, I don't understand how all this works together, but I know that you can help me in that in-between place and know that this is not a simple concept, but it's really complex. You were going to share something? Okay. So, wow, I love that. So this is like uh, what you're saying is the idea that the Proverbs 31 woman was like a mother-in-law, wasn't real, and was a mother-in-law's idea of what she wanted her, her son to marry. Oh, it was a fantasy. Well said. Okay. <laughs> For some reason, that feels way better, right? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And I think all these perspectives, we just help us keep it from being so simple, right? And that's where God can meet us, and I love that. What were you going to say? Yeah, I think that's, that's, I mean, thank you so much for sharing that. I think that's such a good um, example of, like, what so many of us have experienced as women in the church and I think um, in Christian organizations and things like that and that this mental load isn't just um, expected from us or um, in just our homes right that it's professionally and in the church right is that women will take care of this and also a lot of times the church doesn't notice the um, emotional and um, cognitive labor that women put in and into the church and again we don't do it to be recognized all the time but the assumption that we will do it and take care of it is is a really burdensome thing so thank you so much for sharing that that's that's awesome and you had something to say I have um Proverbs 31 is something I've chafed against because of the expectation of it that you have to be everything and when I changed my perspective of I have to do it all as to these are options of ways that I can be be a woman. Um, that helped me a lot. Oh, I love that. Gosh, so many great ideas. I love that. Um, love that. So options of how to do that. That's wonderful. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about the effects that this has on us. Um, the next question was about that, and we're, we're actually going to skip ahead to kind of talk about some of the consequences of that. So if you could go to the next slide. 
Um, I don't know why I threw this in here there, but as I get into effects, I think about this like image of like, or maybe it's like for me, I struggle with like my focus and attention when I'm really overwhelmed. And so she's like, am I a good mother, Susan? And she's like, my name is Amy. Um, I love that because I think sometimes I'm never um, always aware or I'm not always aware of my uh, mental load. And then I do something really mindless, like call my child the wrong name or something like that. And so I thought that was a great illustration of that. Uh, this is an overwhelming concept for me. Um, like, again, we could talk about this for a really long time, but the consequences of the mental load. Um, it, this is, these are vast, and I'm sure you guys talked about some in your group, but the mental health issues um, that I see associated with depression, anxiety, anger, focus, um, substance abuse, and that could go both into the health issue category, health issues, sleep issues, fatigue, gut issues, migraines, increased cortisol levels. I worked with a mom last week who got her cortisol levels measured, and the doctor told her that she is at the same level as um, war veterans that he sees, and she's just a working mom, like just and I just say that because I think that can't be underestimated is like how our stress loads are so, so huge and the impact that that, that has on our bodies. Relationship struggles. Um, arguing and resentment with spouses, decreased sex, um, less available for children, modeling for children, weaker relationships with the non-primary parent. Um, I kind of just went over them as a whole, but I'd like to kind of just talk about them separately for a little bit. Um, mental health issues. Um, I'm trained in a lot of techniques to deal, um, to help women deal with depression and anxiety. And at some point, um, with a lot of the women that I work with, I have to just throw all the techniques out and just be like, it's too much. You're so tired and just normalize that because all the techniques in the world are not going to help if you're under-resourced, right? And there's periods of our life where it just is what it is, right? You might be in a stage of life where it's just the burdens are, are or the, the demands are too much and the resources are just too little. And there's times in everybody's life like that. And there's times in some people's life where they're never fully resourced, right? And the result of that, how can you feel good? How can you feel happy, right? Of course, it's too much. You're tired. You're fatigued. Um, anxiety tells us when we're in danger, okay? That's a really, really important thing for our body to signal to us, right? Hey, you're in danger. Watch out, right? When we're under-resourced, we're in danger, okay? So, our anxiety, there's a huge push right now to think about the helpful side of anxiety, right? So one of the most common calls I get is, Courtney, uh, I really wanted to meet with you. I'm having anxiety. I really need a few techniques to help me out with that. And this is like, these women are doing insane things. <laughs> like their lives, I'm like, oh my gosh. Like I can't even comprehend the amount of responsibilities that they have. And I'm always quick to say, I've got a lot of techniques for you. 
but like these are not going to help. <laughs> like it's like a drop in the bucket, right? So sure, let's work on some CBT skills. Let's work on some breathing exercises. Let's work on challenging these thoughts. But like at the end of the day, when you're not sleeping and you have five kids at home and you don't know how you're going to pay all the bills and you know um, you have maybe a really unhealthy relationship and you know all the things that we can have, we should have anxiety. Okay. So I think that that's something really important to think about. Um, obviously, anger. Anger is a huge one. Um, and it really, it, it, again, our brains go there a lot of time when we're under-resourced. Anger is a protective emotion, right? When we're under-resourced, our body stands up for ourselves. Um, focus issues. Um, almost always when I'm working with new moms, we consider the diagnosis of ADHD, right? Not to say a lot of these women really don't have it, but like it's so hard to focus when you have so much going on in your head. Um, all of these health issues, again, I feel like we could talk about these um, a lot. I would say that like, I, I, I would like to talk about the substance abuse issue, um, especially like in, in this, in this uh, society right now, I heard a statistic that like women are drinking four times as much as they did pre-pandemic, right? So you think about all these different ways that we tend to deal with our mental uh, mental loads that aren't said, and we um, and we try to mask it. And if it's not through drugs and alcohol, it could be through a lot of different things. So that's a big deal, not just substances. Um, Sorry, I'll just make sure we're good on time. Um, so relationship struggles. Um, somebody said this um, that I heard speak on this topic, and they said that if we're not communicating about our mental load with our spouse, we are communicating to them in different ways, right? So that might be a glance, that might be our posture, that might be our body language, that, that can be a lot of different things. And so, um, obviously, if we aren't recognizing this in ourselves, um, it can be really damaging to our, our mental health. But in our relationship, it's a big barrier in not sharing this place, this piece with your husband. And doing this in a way, um, we can, we'll talk about ways to do this in a healthy way. But obviously, if you're feeling really burdened and you're feeling resentful, you're not going to feel like having sex, right? It's a it's a really important part of a relationship so that leads to that decreased sex part um less available for our children when we have so much going on in our in our heads and we um we just are not able to be the parents that we want to be um modeling for our children we talked a little bit about modeling with our boys and our daughters so that we don't kind of perpetuate this um idea with our our children um, and then weaker relationship with the non-primary parent. I think about, um, I just want to say that when I call this a mental load or a mental burden, for myself, it's one I love. I love taking care of my family, and I love taking care of my house. It is a privilege for me. Like, I love packing my kids' lunches. I also hate it. <laughs> But I love knowing what they're eating. I know I love putting something special in there. I love all of that stuff. And that's a bond, that's a bonding thing for my kids to open up their lunchbox and be like, oh my gosh, mom got me those grapes that I wanted, or mom knew this, or you know, whatever it might be. And when we do a lot of this kind of maternal gatekeeping, it seems selfless, right? 
But what it does is it can rob our husbands a lot of time of that bonding experience and our children of that, right? Dad, no, Dad's the best bath giver or dad's, you know, dad does the best job going to the grocery store and getting me those things that I really wanted or dad planned this special activity. And those are bonding things. They don't just have to be labor for your husband that takes away. That labor can also give and strengthen relationships. Uh, like I think about my dogs. My dogs are so obsessed with me because I take care of them. <laughs> like I'm there, I feed them, I walk them, I do all that stuff. I'm their emotional labor and that bonds us together. Um, it's the same with our children. And so by us asking our husbands to take more of a role in this mental realm, it's not just us asking them to do something that doesn't have really awesome benefits with it. Okay, next slide, please. Okay, what we can do spiritually, um, <laughs> it's, it's so generic, right? Be in the word, be in prayer, be in fellowship. But that's really a recipe of like what we're supposed to be as believers. And when I think about my mental load and just, it feels like a tornado a lot of times, just like this and this and this and this, especially this time of year with like end of school stuff, it's so much stuff. When I, in the mornings and I'm in the word, I feel grounded, I feel still, and it's just a minute of just like calm and peace. And I think that that is just a testament to like how God is so in control and he offers us this peace that is just nowhere else. I could be the most organized person in the whole world and I could be perfect, but I'm never going to feel peace if I'm not grounded in God's word. And so if you're feeling like that, mental load is just spiraling in your head this is like one of the best things to do in memorizing the scripture so you can always always bring it with you be in prayer pray about your overwhelm pray about your resentment god doesn't need us to pretend in our prayers right sometimes i feel a mess and i feel kind of embarrassed about it and it's always it's always so refreshing for me to just unload that in um in my prayer life um Ask for wisdom what to take on. Ask for wisdom on a, bringing up your, a topic with your husband. That's, that's tricky. Um, I love contemplative prayer, especially when my mental, mental load is huge. Um, I like to just sit and think about whatever comes to mind. If I'm like, oh my gosh, like we were talking about teacher gifts. I have no idea what to get the teachers. I should stop by Target, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, God, is this a load I should be taking on, right? Help guide me in this, like, right? So it takes what is in your mind and spiraling and allows you to just bring it to God and gives you a lot of like peace and understanding about that. I, 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 that's something that's been really helpful for me. Um, be in fellowship with other godly women like you guys are now. It, I don't know about you, but there's just something so amazing about having a girlfriend, especially one that knows God, where you could just unload on them about your mental load. Because she, she undoubtedly will say, me too, or oh my gosh, I've been there, or I get it. Or you just kind of know that she does. And that is, is so helpful. Um, many have ideas for like, oh, this is what I did, right? Oh, like we were talking about teacher gifts earlier and they were like, gift cards are the best, right? And that's always just so helpful. Um, and then it helps us feel less shame and less loneliness. When we can take this invisible piece and make it visible and talk about it, it keeps that shame from creeping in, right? Because the other women are like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, my house is always a mess, or I've never planned like this activity or whatever. 
And that really counters a lot of that pressure we feel from social media or those perfect images that are um, in our brains. What else we can do? Um, make the invisible um, visible and evaluate. So listen, I want to, to say that like this is not an easy, this was not, cre problem was not created overnight. It will not be solved overnight. And I don't even know like there isn't like follow these four steps and you won't have a heavy mental load as I'm sure you all know. But one thing that really helps is let's take the invisible and make it visible. Um, Eve Rodsky, who wrote that fair play book, she has a card game where you literally deal responsibilities out and you hold them <laughs> physically. And so you play this game with your husband. It sounds like an awesome date night, right? Um, and what, what's awesome about this is she has this like downloadable like PDF. I, I believe it's on her website. Um, but um, what's awesome about it is you realize what you're holding, right? Oh my gosh, I have so many cards. Um, when I went through this PDF I, and looked at these cards, I actually, it was really helpful for me because I noticed my husband carries a lot of those cards, and I never noticed that before. So it's a, it's a helpful tool sometimes to just make a list, right? What's in your head? And this can be something that you can keep just to yourself or share with your husband, right? But in the times I've been most overwhelmed, this is such a simple practice that can just make you feel like, oh, there's a reason I feel crazy right now. And here it is. There's, that's very powerful. Ask your husband to be the, do the same. Bring up the mental load. Discuss how does it impact him, right? They have their own mental loads. It's just different than ours, right? And so make this a discussion so that you all can have this as common knowledge. Oh my gosh, I was so angry today with the kids. I was so whatever. My mental load is just really heavy right now, right? Start having this be language with your children, with your husband's Um Looking at, um, talk to better, together about the impacts of your mental load. Looking at both loads, evaluate, is there anything that you can cut out? This is so important, right? What can we shave off? What do we need to worry about? Like, what is driven by our perfectionism and is heavy in our heads because we're trying to look a certain way and have our children look a certain way? Um, so one of the ideas that, like, um, some people have sometimes is like, we're not going to go to birthday parties anymore. Like, this is something we can cut out. We won't have to shop for birthday presents. We'll get some more time on the weekends alone. So like, that's an idea of like one couple that I worked with, they cut out in their relationship just to sh shave off some of this mental load. And again, that's just a, a random one that I, I've worked with. Um, the way you can evaluate this is what are your values as a family, right? Like, what do you value and is your mental load reflecting that, right? Again, sometimes our load is things we don't value, but they're just have-tos. But sometimes there's things that we don't need to have in there. Um, and we addressed this already. How is your desire to impress others or keep up with the Joneses adding to your load? Um, this is another Emma cartoon. Um, we perform a complex balancing act every day, stuck between the commands to stand up for ourselves and accusation of hysteria when we do. To me, this is, again, part of the challenge of this, right? And I encourage you all, like, in this place of this tightrope, that's where we meet God, right? That's where he sustains us. That's where he's with us. And 
I, I encourage you all to pray for wisdom about what that balance is going to be. I cannot tell you what that is of where you bring up, hey, this is a struggle for me, and when you ignore it, right, and just continue to keep on keeping on. But this is just, I thought that comment really demonstrated that. Um, ideas um, on communicating this with husbands. Again, I do not want any of you to go home and feel more resentful, like you notice something <laughs> and you name something and it's making you feel um, more anger, more resentment, whatever it might be. Um, I want you all to see this as maybe a potential area for benefit in your relationship, for benefit as being a mom. So one of the uh, best things to, I would recommend is be proactive, not reactive, right? When you notice that your mental load is heavy and you don't feel like your husband is doing his part and it's like five o'clock and you're trying to get dinner on the table, not a great time to bring up the mental load, right? So let's be proactive and have a conversation about it like we, we talked about before. Um, communicate consistently. I heard it, uh, a family therapist recommend we do like a state of the union like once a week, like a check-in with each other on like a Sunday evening or something like that. How are things going? How's the balance going? I think this is a great regular practice that seems like it takes more energy, but in hindsight helps us as a couple work more efficiently. Um, talk, oh, sorry, can you go back? That's okay. Talk with husbands about the importance of looking for things um, to be done versus waiting to be asked. Um, it. It takes cognitive and emotional labor to often relieve some of our mental load, right? So don't quit. Um, if you feel like a lot of the women that I discuss this with are always like, oh my gosh, that just sounds exhausting. I have to retrain my husband and my kids and whatever. I don't have time for that, right? So um, just understand that it can sometimes take emotional labor to, to make it feel a little different. Putting work in the short term can make things better long term. Remember, we have a lot more practice than they do a lot of times. We have to be patient. Things will not always be done to your standard or at all. Um, one of the recommendations um, some of the um, kind of experts in this area have is that um, agree upon a standard of care, right? So when you talk about nutrition, for example, yes, a lot of women feel like this is an area where they're really good at, right? And so for if a man is going to do that, what is your standard of care? Is McDonald's okay, right? If it's not in your family, talk about what would be a reasonable standard of care that would be fast, right? Just so we're not, if they're helping it's in line with kind of our family values of nutrition or whatever it might be. So that's really important. Reduce intake. Um, this is a huge one, like we talked about with our phone. Think about what podcasts, social media, and other sources of information feel helpful versus hurtful. For me, a lot of times I start to feel a sense of anxiety versus peace. Like, and I think that's what the Holy Spirit can give us is just help us have a spirit of discernment, right? So when we're listening to something that we feel like is helpful, ask yourself, is this really feeling helpful or is this making me really anxious? Is this too much? Do I really know enough about this topic? Is like, I, I had a professor tell me one time, get to the point of saturation and then be done, right? Like know enough, and then just be done, right? And again, I can't tell you what that is exactly, but that's something to pray about. Um, more information isn't always helpful. Um, trust your intuition, right? You can read all of these experts and then take a minute and be like, God, this is my individual child, right? This is my individual family. What is right for us? And maybe it's a blend. Maybe it's this strategy. Maybe it's that strategy. But that's really important. Um, 
Are there certain websites, blogs, socials that are fueling your desire to be perfect and enhancing this mental load? Um, For a lot of women, they can't be on social media at all, right? For a lot of people, uh, certain TV shows are triggering. So for you, what is this? And how could you cut, what could you cut out in your life that would help with this? Um, Go on an information diet. Sometimes I go on periods where for a whole week I won't listen to the news. I don't know what's going on in the world. I don't do any sort of research. And oh my gosh, the effects are amazing. And so trying trying to do this, it's almost like a cleanse a lot of times. And then going back to it helps me approach it a lot more um, in a more healthy way. Okay, I think that that is the last slide. So that is how we can solve this mental load problem. No, I'm just kidding. Um, So again, I don't have all the answers, but what I really wanted to do was to make this invisible, a little more visible for you all, and to help just kind of bring up the topic and help you think about it from a godly perspective. Um, And so hopefully today we didn't stir up too much, but I really encourage you all to think about how this aspect um, of this invisible load really impacts you and how you can make some changes in your life to make it a little more bearable. Thank you so much, Courtney. That was really great. Um, I I know that when I started to kind of educate myself on this topic, I started to notice, I started to notice how much mental load I had, and I started to get kind of like upset in moments where I was like, the kitchen's a mess, and my husband's like, I'm about to start making sourdough bread, and I'm like, wait, you have time to make sourdough bread? Could you do the dishes <laughs> or <laughs> something like that? And, um, and I loved when I finally hit that place that, that Courtney mentioned of like, this is a social conditioning that we both have experienced and we both have to learn. As it's Donny on me, it's Donny on him. And he's a great guy. And he's like, oh, you need help with that? Sure. But um, I think that our husbands, as we're, as we're realizing this, thinking of it from the charitable perspective of the we both have to learn a lot and and understand what this is as we're identifying it in our culture as something that needs to shift. So thank you so much, Courtney, for doing that. Um, We have loved having you all here this semester, and we're looking forward to seeing you this summer. Um, We have some gifts for our table leaders in the back, so if you're a table leader, please don't forget to stop by and get your gift. Thank you so much for serving this semester. We love you, and we appreciate you. Um, And I'm just going to pray for us really quick before we go pick up our kids. Dear Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity this year to um, sit together at your feet and learn and grow. Thank you that you love us just how we are, but you also um, love us enough to give us the opportunity to, um, to learn and to change and to become more like you. Thank you for this group of women, and I just pray that they will um, be filled up through today and be ready to go pour out to their families. In Jesus' name, amen.